Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. This is Gary Neron welcoming you to the Lamp and Light broadcast, coming to you from the studios of Central Baptist Church in beautiful Ocala, Florida. Lamp and Light is a ministry taking a book of the Bible verse by verse, teaching as it is to men as they are, without compromise or apology, speaking the truth in love, and our purpose is to give the lamp and light to all. Yesterday in our study of Hebrews chapter 10, we looked at how it is possible for a true believer to sin habitually and even presumptuously without repentance and still be saved. Let's continue with that lesson today. Now, here is our teacher and pastor, Dr. Andy Bloom. Well, we just read verses 24 and 25. Let me read those to you again. And let us consider one another and to provoke one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, here we have a command. A very imperative command of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Somebody that is there at church, not there, very inconsistent, spasmodic in their church attendance. Okay? Now, if you break a command of the Lord, then that is sin. I mean, does that is that right? If a Bible commands us to do something and we don't do it, then that is sin. And when we willfully don't do it, it is sin. But we also saw... Consider one another provoking to love and good works. Okay, that's what we're commanded to do. We don't do it, then it is sin. When we know we should do that, and we say, oh, I don't want to put myself out for them. You know, I don't want to put myself out for that. And, and then we willfully sin. So we apply that passage to the saved here. Now, let's look in verse 30 here of this paragraph of Hebrews chapter 10, where it says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Now think about that. The Lord shall judge his people. So, really, his people are saved people. Let us have some further thought on this. Is smoking a sin? Oh, yes, it defiles the body. Man knows it, and he does it. Is gossip a sin? Yes, man knows it, and he does it. Have you ever been telling a story, and you just kind of, we, we call it stretching it, okay? We kind of like to embellish the story to make it more exciting when we're telling it, because when we're telling it, after we're telling it, we say, boy, that just doesn't seem exciting to me, so we add a few twists. Oh, that's a lie. Okay. Now, we, we don't call it a lie, but that's what it is. Is lying a sin. Yeah. You even know you're embellishing it while you're doing it. So that's a habitual sin. It is a presumptuous sin because you know you're doing it. So the Christian knows it is sin. And if a person, a Christian, has a habitual sin, he, he continues to smoke, he continues to gossip about different things, he continues to do things that he should not do, and he doesn't do what he knows that he is supposed to do for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. He's not faithful to church. 
He's forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He's very spasmodic. He's not provoking others unto love and good works, which he knows he should do. Okay, these are sins that he may do habitually and know that he's sinning these sins. So does that mean that if he's doing those sins, that means that he was never saved? Now you think about that. Was he never saved? Because these sins are habitual. What about the thought life? Do not the scriptures tell us that he will judge the intents of our heart, our, our thoughts, our intentions, even our idle words? And do we have pure and holy thought life 24-7? <laughs> no, we don't. Do we have things that hit our thought life, our heart, our intents? maybe even on a daily basis, and oftentimes are the same things? Do we have that point in our life where we're holding a grudge against someone? So we may ask forgiveness nightly and often for the same sin. It could be a sin of somebody that has a temper, somebody that's bitter. Maybe somebody, they, they know, I mean, we know the Bible speaks in, places gluttony on the level of a drunkard. And somebody weighs 350 pounds, they know that it's wrong. And they continue to eat. And they continue not to watch. And they they eat more and more and more. So what do we say about them? Is that sin? What about when you get on the interstate and you make the drive, you know the speed limit's 70, but we set our thing on 75, our autopilot on 75. Is that breaking the law? Yeah. It's not doing 90, but it's doing 75, and it's still 5 miles like over the speed limit. You're still breaking the speed limit law. Either way, whether you're going 90 or whether you're going 75, you're breaking the law. Now, a state trooper may let you get by with 75 where and not even pull your car over, not stop you, not try to slow you down, where somebody doing 90, he pulls them over and gives them a ticket. But in either case, it's still breaking the law. And many do it every time they get on the interstate. So there's a habitual sin because we're to obey the laws of men. So if this is a pattern, then do we say that, well, all right, that person's not saved because saved people do not commit habitual sins. You see, now the argument begins to fall apart. And this is where I think scriptures are helpful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 through 32, We read this concerning partaking of the Lord's Supper. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, isn't it interesting, the word sleep? It is only used of saved people in the Bible when it talks about them dying. It's not talking about the unsaved. It's talking about saved, and they sleep. They're dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, were these people drinking damnation to themselves, unsaved people? No. But God chastens them with, in some cases, bodily death. But not eternal damnation of the soul. There was a bodily uh, destruction for these people. 
Again, we go back to our text, verses 26 and 27. We read, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking. For of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, and you can go to our website and click on to our Hebrew study and find chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, and say, see what we said there. But for there we read, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Now, if that puts them to an open shame, and they crucify the Son of God, and says it's impossible to renew them again under repentance, wouldn't it show then if this is talking about losing salvation? Because there's many that say this is a proof text of losing salvation. But many of those will not admit this full text then if they interpret it that way. Because it says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. So it would mean that if this is talking about losing your salvation, you could never be saved again. Now, my friend, it's not talking about the loss of salvation. It is talking about rewards. It's talking about punishment. In Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. Now, I want you to listen. As I read, and I want you to think on these things that I'm reading from Romans 7, verses 15 through 25, because what I want you to remember, this is the personal testimony of the Apostle Paul after his salvation and after he's been serving the Lord for some time now on the mission field and planting churches and being used of God. And in that condition, listen to his testimony, beginning with verse 15. Of Romans 7, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, if I, then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, that's what you got to understand, we're talking about the flesh. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. 
Does this then not tell us that we have two natures in us? We continue to allow the sin nature to rule us. If we do that, it will bring these problems. These problems will enter and bring us down. Let me give you another example. Romans 6, 11 through 14. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, and the word sin there, again, is habitual, okay? Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. That would mean that it is possible for saved people that sin reigns in their mortal body. Is that not what happened to Lot? Do you realize if we read the story of Lot in Genesis 19, and really Genesis 13 through 19, the various places where he appears, We'd say that guy was unsaved. But we come to the New Testament, and it tells us that in Second Peter chapter 2 that it was a saved man. This is your radio pastor, Pastor Andy Bloom, saying, May the word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway today. We want to thank you for listening to the Lamp and Light broadcast. If you would like a CD copy of today's message by Dr. Bloom, send us your name, mailing address, and include the radio station by which you are listening and the date of the broadcast. We would appreciate a gift of $5 to Lamp and Light Broadcast, 1714 Southeast 36th Avenue, Ocala, Florida, 34471. You may also visit us on the website and freely download the sermons by clicking on the sermon library. That website is www centralbaptistocala.org Again, the address for the Lamp and Light broadcast is 1714 Southeast 36th Avenue O-C-A-L-A Florida 34471 And again, our website is www.centralbaptistocala.org This is your announcer, Gary Neron, saying May God's peace be with all that are in Christ Jesus. Stand so the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I will plant my feet on its firm foundation for the Bible stand.